When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We may be in the middle of the NFL offseason, but there's plenty to wager on at betonline.ag. Baseball is back, the NHL and NBA are in full swing, and there are even NFL draft props to wager on. Make sure you go to betonline.ag to check out their wide betting selection and start wagering today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you on a Monday. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. We are back continuing our breakdown of Jamie's way too early rankings for the fantasy football season. Today's episode running backs we will go through jamie i believe you ranked in total 50 running backs here on the list that i'm looking at in front of me we're going to break them down individually one through 50 no i'm just kidding we are not going to do that you're going to set the podcast you were going to set the table you were going to give your top 12 and then jake and i have our series of questions to, to to spawn our discussion here about all of the players that are on this list so jamie i will pass the baton over to you the top 12 running backs here i believe the last time you updated this was back on march 25th so there has not been too many altercations since when you first put this list together but this is uh, still the way too early running back rankings for 2021 correct and as a reminder to get this kind of like housekeeping out of the way this is for a full point ppr league standard position single quarterbacks uh and then this is how i would draft them right now today if i was forced to draft so this is and you can see all of these rankings for quarterbacks running backs wide receivers and tight ends under the fantasy tab at the draftnetwork.com but now that that shilling is out of the way number one Dalvin Cook, number two, Christian McCaffrey, number three, Derrick Henry, number four, Alvin Kamara, number five, my boy Aaron Jones, number six, James Robinson, number seven, Nick Chubb, number eight, Jonathan Taylor, number nine, Austin Eckler, number 10, Ezekiel Elliott, 11, Antonio Gibson, and number 12, Saquon Barkley. So um, should we just... I don't want, I don't want to be, I don't want to keep repeating myself. We have, we have beaten the Saquon Barkley point to death. If you're wondering why he's at 12 and not, let's say three, uh, please go back and listen to our mock draft episode. We spend a, a significant amount of time at the end of that episode in our most recent podcast about it. I don't want to go over this every single day for the rest of the off season to the point where everybody hates me already more than they do. Yeah, no, this is discussed on the, on the mock draft podcast. It's discussed on your way too early mock that we did back at the beginning of December when we had this conversation. There were plenty of times in the backlogs in which Jamie has uh, eloquently put together why he has Saquon Barkley so low, and he's been very consistent. So any of those episodes I just mentioned, uh, those are the episodes you're going to want to go back and listen to because we are not having that conversation here on the show once again because we just had it last week. Uh, Jake, I will give you the honors here. You can kick us off here with your question to go through Jamie's rank. And again, these questions don't just involve the top 12. It involves Jamie's entire list. But you heard the top 12, so you know who's in there and who's not in there. Uh, so, Jake, I will pass the first question off to you here on the show. Saquon Barkley. No, I'm just kidding. Let's, <laughs> let's, start, let's, let's start at the top with Dalvin Cook over Christian McCaffrey. 
the guy that used to have the injury bug concern has taken over. I'm assuming the only reason is because Christian McCaffrey finally got hurt last year. Or are we thinking new quarterback, what's going on? A little bit of question marks we're going to put him into? It, to me, it's a it's razor thin uh, at that very top spot there. I think I believe, Chris, you took Christian McCaffrey with that number one pick last week in the mock draft that we did. That is what I did, yes. Can't blame him for that. Um, I don't I, – we're, we're splitting hairs when we talk about these elite running backs at the very top. And obviously, if you have the number one pick, you're going to be forced to make this decision. And I imagine more often than not, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it's just more to me of that I feel like at this point, Dalvin Cook has proven that he can play most of a full season and be highly, highly productive. He was the RB2 uh, two years ago uh, in average fantasy points per game, was the RB1 in that category last year with a minimum of seven games played. We know McCaffrey, when he plays, he's going to get a ton of work, and he was extremely effective. He was clearly in the three games he played the number one running back. But I guess in my mind, and I'm not going to – I no longer feel like I have to – downgrade Dalvin cook for injury risk any more than any other running back. And I think at this point, he's proven to us that I think his floor is extremely high when he's on the field. We don't have some of these same fears that we did a few years ago, like a few with, with the injuries with, Oh no, Alexander Madison's going to steal a ton of work. Neither one of those things are really in play anymore. So some of the reasons we were downgrading him, even though he was still in a top five running back just don't exist for me anymore. I kind of want to see how McCaffrey gets used because we really don't have a full grasp of how he's going to be used in this Joe Brady, Matt rule offense. Not that he's going to be used poorly. He's still going to be the straw that stirs the drink there, but you know, new quarterback there, new coaching, uh, fairly new coaching staff. I mean, we saw three games of it, but I'm just, to me, there were a little bit more question marks around McCaffrey coming off the injury than there ever been. It's still a massively high floor that he has for you. So I can't really make a strong argument against taking McCaffrey number one, but I still, and I honestly might end up getting there by the time we get closer to the season and we see him on the field again, and we see him going through drills. I would not be surprised if McCaffrey ends up ending my rankings as we go get into August and I do like my final final here's big draft weekend. Everybody's going to do their rankings. If he's number one, I just think it's more about Dalvin cook, not having any of the major concerns about him going into the season that we've had with him over the previous two. All right, so I got to follow up, Chris, before we jump out, because all of my questions are outside the top 10. So I'm going to throw Jamie a curveball that I didn't send him in the pre-show questions here. Who in your top 12 that we just announced surprised you the most? Off the cuff here. Um, I think surprised me the most was probably Antonio Gibson. Um, And I had him as a borderline RB1 (laughs) even prior to Fitzpatrick being there and all this other stuff. Like, I really loved the way – that he played for most of the season. And he was somebody I was actually fairly down on last year. I was like, he's going to be learning the position. He doesn't have many carries in college. You know, there now, obviously the, the Darius guy situation played out the way it did last off season as well. So there were a lot of things that ended up happening there, but he was somebody I thought was going to maybe have a longer learning curve to get into NFL productivity. And he was really good right away. And in not the ways we expected him, we thought he would be, Like, if you told me that he had the J.D. McKissick season in Washington, that's kind of what I thought would have happened. They used him as a traditional runner. They didn't lean on him as much in the passing game as they could have, and I think that's an area where he can actually expand his game next year and be a really valuable asset because he was a a three or four catch a game guy. That all of a sudden goes to, let's say, five catches a game. 
that's a significant production bump for him. I love the way he looked as a traditional runner. Their offense is going to get got an upgrade at quarterback. They've got some more weapons there. Curtis Samuel is going to be another piece of eye candy in that backfield. Defenses are going to have to account for. I'm really excited about him. I, I, I don't think if you would have asked me at the end of the season that I would have had him ranked as an RB1. Certainly, I wouldn't have believed you if you said this to me a year ago that he would be an RB1 for me going into his sophomore season. But I feel really confident having him there in the top 12. And honestly, I, there's so many good players. It's, it's tough to kind of push him too much higher, but I would not be surprised if he finished as a top eight back in fantasy next year. Certainly feels as though the opportunity is there in Washington to, to capitalize off of what we saw from him uh, last season. Uh, Jamie, my first question for you here is also about a player inside the top 10, and it's not the Saquon Barkley conversation, but it is another NFC East running back that gets a lot of talk. Ezekiel Elliott, you have as RB10. Is the expectation in your mind that with Dak coming back from this injury, they're going to take things a little bit slowly, which will lead to more Zeke touches? And do you feel, you know, how confident are you in this RB10 ranking for Zeke? Uh, I actually don't think it has anything to do with the amount of rushes he's going to get. I think it has everything to do with the amount of passes he's going to catch. And I think that was a key element to his game early in the season last year and why he was as productive. This is a pass-heavy offense. This is what they want this to be with Dak Prescott. And last year in those five games with him, Elliott was averaging 22.3 fantasy points per game. So, I mean, he was averaging top five running back type numbers in that first month, month plus of the season with Dak Prescott. Things completely fell off a cliff afterward. He still didn't look like the same rusher in that period of time. Like if you eye test tells you he wasn't the same football player in the moment, but he was the same fantasy player. He was just getting the production in different ways. That's what I'm most encouraged about because this offense is going to have to score a lot. They're going to have to throw a lot because that defense continues to be abysmal. And I don't care who they take at 10, the defense is still going to continue to be abysmal. So he's going to have a lot of volume and a lot of opportunity. Dak Prescott being there will afford him at least easier boxes to run into. But I I think that's more of a smaller factor for his fantasy value. And I think just the pass catching upside is really, really there. If they continue to use him anywhere close to the way they did in the first month of the season last year. So I kind of, in this spot here at RB10, I kind of wanted to split the difference a little bit between what he did in the first five weeks, which I still think is like peak upside. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be averaging 22 points a game over the course of the full season anymore. I don't think he's going to be that player. But I also don't think he's going to be the player he was when, you know, Ben DiNucci, Andy Dalton, all the Garrett Gilbert, all these other guys that were, were playing quarterback. And this was before Andy Dalton really started to kind of come into his own in the second half of the year when he came back from the, the John Bostic hit and, and COVID. So I kind of split the difference here, and this is kind of where I landed him. Like I feel comfortable taking him early second round in this like RB10 spot because I think you start to get some other questions. Uh, I like Gibson after him, and if you want to swap those guys, fine. But then you get into the Saquon Barkley's. You get into some of these other guys that aren't going to get as, you know, maybe as much work or they're splitting time elsewhere or they have, they, they have unproven quarterback situations, whatever it might be. I'm okay with him here at 10. I know he's probably going to actually go in the top 10, in ADP and I'm not going to take him there, but if he's still sitting there around the turn or the first couple picks around two, that's kind of the sweet spot for where I will take him. I think he's going to get, he's not going to overdrafted as Saquon Barkley will in my estimation based on where I have him, but I do expect him to be a first round pick in ADP. And I'm that's a little rich for my blood. Goes back to that name value conversation that we had during the mock draft last week and that these guys are going to get overdrafted just because of their name value. All right, Jake, you said you had a couple of questions outside of the top 10, as do I, so I will let you start us off. Hey, before we get off the Zeke thing, if that offensive line doesn't look any different, 
I can see him finishing top eight. I can see him finish around 20. I mean, the offensive line is still a major concern if they're going to throw it this much. He did not. He couldn't run behind that offensive line late in the year. And that's when Andy Dalton was playing well. That's what scares me there. But Zeke should be still Zeke. And he should be hungry, pun intended, coming off of a poor, poor performance of last year. I'm going to jump into DeAndre Swift. Love the player coming out of Georgia. Love where they took him last year. Loved how he finished the season. Was this a tough guy to place, Jamie? I mean, you, it feels like it's all set up for him to be the three-down guy. Jared Goff now there, the lack of weapons that are there. It's like, and year two, it really all should go through DeAndre Swift. Is that kind of where you're feeling this? Because I could see him being higher, but I at the same time, I could, I, it almost feels like he needs to be a little bit lower. But I, when you look at it, offensive line's de- decent. And he should have a, he should have a big year. I originally had him higher and then they signed Jamal Williams and it kind of threw, threw a wrench in those plans there. So right now he's ranked as my RB 17 and I really, and again, he was a top 15 guy for me before. I really liked what he did late last season from weeks nine to 17. He ranked as he was a top 10 running back uh, in average fantasy points per game, averaging almost 17. And he only had one game in that stretch where he had 70% of this offensive snaps or more. So I, I thought there was so much room for him to grow in that area. He was going to be the guy. They were going to use him. And now they bring in Jamal Williams, who is not just a guy. He's extremely capable in all facets of the running back position. He's a guy that's going to be on the field for third down, passing down, uh, you know, no huddle type things. He's going to get those opportunities. And a lot of the ways he took some of those opportunities away from Aaron Jones when he was in Green Bay. This is a little bit concerning for me. I still love DeAndre Swift. I still think his talent is is massive, and I still like him as this RB2, but I think his upside is now capped a little bit more than it actually should have been because of the Jamal Williams signing. I will continue the, the questions here because I have another question in this tier of running back, Jamie, because we talk about the rookies, and I think the three big rookies that we'll talk about, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Javonta Williams. I want to talk about the guys that are rookies that aren't those three guys. So my question for you is, which rookie, non-big three of the group, has the biggest chance talent-wise, because we don't know their fits yet, and that obviously factors in here, but talent-wise, do you feel has the best chance to find themselves inside the top 15 by the time the season's over? Um, by the time the season starts, none of them. Um, by the time the season ends, I think it's a more interesting question because look, there, there's nobody outside the top three. There's no scenario that I think would, I'd put them there. Like, I don't care if, you know, because like now, even if like a, a Kenneth Gainwell or somebody goes to a Tampa or goes to Atlanta, there's still other backs to be there. So I, I don't think there's anybody that's outside that big three that has any chance to be in the top 15 by the time we get to August and September. If we're going to like galaxy brain this and try to see, is there a chance that one of those guys that aren't the big three can finish the year as an RB two by the time we get to January? Uh, Trey Sermon. That didn't Let, have a lot of conviction really behind it that I really liked. Let's I'm gonna throw one out there, Jamie. Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard's interesting. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson. That, that, like that, That's yeah. Stevenson's getting red flagged by so many people and, and rightfully so, but we, we love it. Like we're, we're all like that. That's talent like, only on a field only. Ta- yes. Talent yeah. only. But that, like, that's like kind of our new dude, but like Chuba Hubbard going back a year, I've said this a couple of times on different shows now, like he's a three down guy that in my opinion, in the right situation and say somebody in front of him gets hurt and he gets the opportunity to be that guy on a bad team. I think he could surprise a lot of people finish inside the top 20, top 15. I don't know if any of these guys have, 
Yeah. That, I, that, I even, that's, that's a lot of juice to throw in there in the top 15. It really is. But I, I think we start talking about guys that have sort of like the volume that they need. You have to have volume. Like you can't just be a third down guy. You can't just be a pass catching guy. You really need to have that volume. And if they're going to need an injury in front of them, but those are guys that we just mentioned that have the chance to be 150 touch guys if given that opportunity. So there's one question that Jake and Jake and I do not share our questions beforehand. We both post them in the Slack for Jamie about 24 hours before. So Jamie knows what kind of questions we're going to ask him. And 24 there was, hours before. Well, today wasn't. Today was normally, maybe a little bit before. It was normally, listen, I wasn't going to blow up our spot. Normally it's 24 hours before. This week it was a little different, okay? We were a little busy over the weekend. So, but Jake and I normally don't, you know, share notes. We, we, we each present our, our own questions. Well, we have a very similar question about a similar player, about the same player. So I feel like this might be the right time to have that conversation because we've had this conversation about what this player's role is going to be fantasy-wise this season, what his expectations are, and that's Chase Edmonds. And Jamie, you have Chase Edmonds, RB24, literally the, the back end of the RB2 conversation in 12-team formats I guess I will morph our questions together, Jake. My question was more feels like that Jamie's down on Chase Edmonds, don't know how much room there is to grow. And you have brought up that if this team does add another back through the draft, that it might push Chase Edmonds down even further from 24. So, Jamie, let's have the Chase Edmonds conversation. One draft time. or veteran. Or veteran. Yeah, they could go that direction not as over. well. I mean, there's, there's still some guys they could add here that I think we all love Chase's talent. We, I, I like where Jamie has him. I could actually make a case they could put him higher. We don't know that he can carry the load. So we all are in agreement, we've talked about on the show, that they have to add a piece. But if they do, does that instantly make you feel like he's lower, Jamie, or are you still good with him being at 24? Because that gets, that gets interesting of how much time are they going to take from him. So I think what you two just illustrated was the point I was trying to make all along, where I'm splitting the difference here. And I know that's not the answer everybody wants to hear, but I just have a hard time believing that Chase Edmonds is going to go into next season as the undisputed, clear top running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and look, if we get through the draft, they don't take anybody on day one or day two. That's probably what's going to end up happening, you know, but it's also could be a situation where they add a veteran late in camp. And he's some, this could be a, just to use an example from last season, it could be a Adrian Peterson Detroit like situation where somebody comes in really, really late and ends up being the de facto RB one, at least for parts of the season. That's kind of why I have them here. Like if you told me they don't sign a veteran, they don't, they, they don't draft anybody on day one or day two, then he's probably a guy that you're going to have just inside your top 20. It's just in terms of just the volume he's going to have, the way the offense is going to operate. But if they bring in, let's say they do the thing that Chris does not want them to do. They, they, they bring in, let's say ETN at, at, you know, where they're picking at 16. All of a sudden, like I, you know, Chase Edmonds is a, what, 30s? At that point, you would have him probably so, closer to forty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you have home and, run hitter. And just for the, the sake of that conversation in particular, Jamie, you have ETN in front of Edmonds right now. Before we even know where ETN is, you have ETN at twenty one. You have Chase at twenty four. So you would think that ETN probably goes up a little bit. Chase Evans goes down a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's the thing you're trying to project right now. So I, I guess we should call that out right now. I have Harris at twenty, ETN at twenty one. We're we're kind of just. You know, I have to put them somewhere, and I'm trying to imagining teams that might take them, where they might go, um, and just kind I can't of imagine either one of those guys going anywhere where they're not top twenty-one guys. Like, no. there's not no, no, a they're, situation. They're, they're not going down. There's just no. there's no way they go lower. No. Like that's kind of where I put them. Like, they're they're too the, good. Where's the absolute floor 
for where I would have those guys when healthy if drafted somewhere. And that's kind of where they would be. They're going to be both. They're both probably top 20 guys when they're moving up. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with Jacobs who's right in front of them and you know, some other situations there, but I want to kind of see where they land first to kind of put those final rankings. But no, I, this is the classic case where I don't imagine that Edmonds is going to go into the season as my RB 24. I just have to kind of put him somewhere, but I just don't believe he's going to be the only guy. The question is going to be, is he going to get the, majority of the work or is he going to be splitting the work or is he going to get the minimum of the work because i think all three of those scenarios are still very possible as we sit here on april 12th as we record this because there's a scenario where he comes in and he gets to be the third down passing down two minute drill four minute drill guy and still be highly productive with another back that's kind of the more traditional first and second down back there's also a scenario where they bring in a rookie and chase edmonds is just going to be the guy he's been the last few years and there's also a scenario where i think it's unlikely but that he's just the guy and they're just going to see what happens this year. And that's probably the best case scenario for fantasy wise. I don't think that's the best case scenario for the Cardinals as a football team. If that's the case, I'm in. I'll, I'll take a flyer on him at some point. The talent is phenomenal. I don't know that he could hold up for that, but I don't think there's any way in hell. I, I've said it on three or four different shows. They don't add a veteran and potentially a running back, but it's not going to be in the first two rounds. I can't imagine just the way this team is getting young and old and this kind of feels like they have to win now and they're building it to like, they have to make a run this year. I don't think a running back at 16 does that much for them when I don't know that they're going to be chase Edmonds is a stud. I don't know that they're going to be that much better. ETN and Harris are both better than Chase Edmonds. Don't get me wrong when I'm saying that. I don't need your Twitter banner, but what, yeah, yeah, exactly. What they're adding to this team at 16 is not going to be enough for that, but they add a nice veteran piece and there are still some out there. I think that's what they're going to do, but I think that piece is then the backup to Chase. So it's like number two of your of your scenario. So I love where you have him. I just wanted to ask that question because it's kind of a volatile dude. Like yeah. he's in this – like last year when he was the guy and Drake got hurt, he was like, okay, if this is how this is going to go next year, he looks pretty damn good. And this offense is still so weird. You don't know what the hell – like say something crazy happens and Pitts drops to 16. And now Pitts is truly playing receiver in this offense and not tight end, right? It's tight end, but now what is this running back position? Sure. Like? I, I look, Are they I, going like, they go on 11 personnel all the time? Like what, what is this going to be? If Kyle think, Pitts drops to 16, I will eat, Jamie will send me his panini hat. It was a hypothetical. I will eat it on say, the show. Uh, there would have to be a, a gas mask pre-draft video for him to drop down to 16, I think. If the Cardinals want Kyle Pitts, they will need to be making phone calls to move up into the draft inside the maybe top Maybe with 10. Jerry Jones. Maybe with Jerry Jones at 10, yes. That could be one of the... No, no, maybe with Jerry Jones higher than 10. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Given, the, given those reports. So, Jamie, I, one more Chase Edmonds question here for you because I, I look at the way the board has played out here, and it really feels, though, that even if he's the undisputed starter week one of the season... I don't know how much higher he goes on this list. He's kind of he's kind of locked into this kind of section of the board for you. Certainly feels yeah. that way based on the players that you have in front of him because I don't see you putting him in front of either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne no matter where they go. Maybe he gets in front of Melvin Gordon and Joe Mixon if he's the undisputed starter. Maybe. Maybe. I, I think what's more likely to happen is that he becomes the very, very clear tier break. I think, I think it's more likely that we start looking at guys behind him. Like I have Mike Davis at 25, Kareem Hunt at 26, Javante Williams at 27. You know, if Atlanta goes with a running back on day two, I don't think they're going with, I, obviously they're not going to go with a running back at four. Um, so if they go with a running back on day two, 
and Edmonton's are just being the guy. I think we start to look at this gap between him and that that next tier of where that more more like a flex tier, I think would start to grow. I could see him. I mean, I'd probably drop jump him over Gordon, but I don't know. Mixon's a guy we're going to talk about later in the show. He's a fascinating case. I, I don't know there. I have to kind of see. Again, there are a few of these guys. I just need to see him back on the football field again before I feel really comfortable putting them putting them up even more. I don't know if we want to get into the the Jake's Joe Mixon question as well. It feels like a good spot, but uh, you know, Jake, what, what did you what did you have to say about Joe? Uh, in our, in our I mean, spot? that's kind of the the biggest dropper for you and for all of us, and like from the last few years to now. But the to piggyback on that, Joe Bernard asked for his release and got it. So yeah. there isn't that guy that we knew was going to take that time from him and be the third down guy. If the foot's okay, and you know how I am on, on feet and guys that have been around for a little while, if the foot's okay and he comes back 100% healthy, he has a, the ability to be a three-down back. I mean, that, if that's the case and we get close, you've you're got to be close to the top 10, right? Yeah. If you ask me right now who outside of my top 20 has the best chance to finish inside the top 10, it's Joe Mixon. And, and I think, look, the way his season ended, which was uh, – it was complicated by the fact that the Bengals made it seem like it was going to be a minor injury for a while, and then all of a sudden his very minor injury ended up being a season-ending injury, and he missed the back half of the year completely. Um, so he was the guy that, to me, is kind of getting slept on a little bit here. Like on a per-game basis last year when he played, he was the RB9. Average 16.6 fantasy points per game. That's comparable to what guys like Austin Eckler, Miles Gaskin, Jonathan Taylor were doing. And if you remember how good he was in the back half of the season prior, he was a top seven running back, averaging 18 points per game. Now, he's got a tremendous injury risk, as we know. Um, I want to see him back on the field and being healthy. I don't imagine I'm... I don't imagine that I'm going to actually have him down here at RB22 by the time we get closer to the season, assuming that he looks healthy and is out there. But he is somebody to me that I am very intrigued by. And if he's somebody that drops and drafts, because look, Joe Mixon has burned many a fantasy manager over the last few years. And there's going to be a lot of people that are like, I am just not going to take him no matter what. If that's the case and he starts to fall into this back part of RB2 territory, he's got as much upside or more honestly, more upside than anybody else in this range. Please, Lord, let that be the case because I am putting an asterisk, maybe three asterisks next to that. If he drops, here's my reason why. You guys know I love to look at the contract situation. Okay, I love a guy playing for some cheddar, but I love a, a franchise that gave him some cheddar. They didn't get any return from last year. They want to give him some freaking carries and get some return on this money that they gave him, and it was a bunch of money. I think he becomes the focal point while Burrow's coming back. They're going to throw it a bunch because they're still going, but they're going to be better. It's all health related, but that's like an asterisk for me. If he falls, I'll take the flyer on him to be able to add that to a team because I, I, there's tremendous production there. For a guy you used to have to take in the first round, maybe early second, you might be able to get late in the third. Yeah, Jake, I think that's a really good point. Is that when with Burrow coming back from the injury, they're gonna they're still gonna throw the ball, but they are going to they're going to ask Mixon to at least help Burrow get himself reaccustomed to this offense and get this offense flowing once again. And and if Mixon is is healthy, if he can prove that he can be that reliable you know, threat on offense on a week to week basis, then yeah, I think I think getting him at twenty two where Jamie has him, I think would be would be a home run, right? I mean that would be great. that would it, we know we have the Jake do not draft list. I think Joe Mixon if he was there late in in drafts he would be on the the jake run to the podium list if you had one of those uh as well anything else that we want to discuss here any name that we did not discuss in the pre-show that we want to maybe oh there okay go ahead jake i got i I love that i have all these questions at the end after i've given jamie already zero prep for jamie on this i've got two because we mentioned him once as melvin gordon 
and he's now more of the dude without Simmons there. The other one is David Montgomery at 28, the way that he finished the year, but we're all like this. I mean, what the hell is going on in Chicago with like 28 just seems low, even though we're all like the what's yeah. up emoji going on. But so give me, give me some Melvin Gordon, some David Montgomery. Jamie, Jamie, can you open the window to your left and scream outside and ask somebody <laughs> about David Montgomery? We can get thoughts live from the street. Uh, I will not do that right now, but look, I, I... This is another case with David Montgomery of somebody that I'm willing to be wrong on. And when I say that, I just don't buy what we saw late in the season. I just don't. And I understand he was so, so good. I mean, look, uh, in the second half of the year, from week, or basically from week 12 on, he was the number one running back in total points, number two in average fantasy points per game. But before that, he was outside the top 20. And this is objectively too low. Like, I... I I don't imagine he's going to be at 28. Like I imagine there's more likely in the scenario I'm thinking about, he's probably going to be around RB 24, 25, 23 type of a range. But this isn't because of your crush on Damian Williams. Let's say that now. No, this, this, this rank did not change with Damian Williams, but there's also part of me that goes three Cohen's coming back, which was something that it was a factor that David Montgomery did not have to deal with last year that he did have to deal with in years prior. The question is going to be, does, does Bill Lazor continue to have as much control over the offense um, as before, are they going to run this ball as effectively? Are they going to be able to run the ball as effectively as they were before? To me, I, I, it's one of those weird scenarios and why I'm kind of like stuttering over my words here. I know it's too low. Like I don't expect him to finish there, but that's as high as I could draft him. Like I don't think that second half upside is real. I really don't. And if, if I'm sitting here in drafts and the, chase, the upside of Chase Edmonds, the upside of Melvin Gordon, we'll talk about it in a second, the upside of Joe Mixon, the upside of the top three rookie running backs, the Chris Carsons, the DeAndre Swifts of the world. I just can't make a compelling case for me to take David Montgomery in the hopes that he replicates something that he did over the last four or five weeks of the season that we have never seen before. And I don't think he's the same talent as any of those top guys just from a football standpoint either. So I get it. I get that means I'm going to have no shares of David Montgomery. I'm okay with it because I still think it's far more likely he finishes right. I think it's far more likely he finishes outside the top 20 than he finishes inside the top 10. And that's why I kind of have to split the difference for me there. Like, I don't think he's got the top 10 upside where I can make a case that Melvin Gordon, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, ETN, like even DeAndre Swift, if things go right, I can make the case that those guys could finish as RB ones. If the right scenario plays out, he doesn't take that much mental contortion to see those guys finishing around RB1. It's going to take a lot for me to put David Montgomery anywhere near that category. And then for Melvin Gordon, yeah, he gets to be a little bit more of the guy this year, which is which would be nice, although they, they pretty much show they were fully committed to him last year for the most part. It was the RB23, but he did split some work with Philip Lindsay, who's now gone. Um, again, they want to run the ball, and that offense is going to get Cortland Sutton back. Maybe they'll get a different quarterback. We'll see what happens there. He doesn't have the upside he did with the Chargers. He's not quite kind of catching that many passes. I like him, but I kind of think this is what he is now. He's he's an RB2. I think he's going to be a, a high floor RB2. I don't think he's got this massive upside that he used to have in LA. Even though he's not splitting work, he didn't really split as much work as we anticipated he was going to with Philip Lindsay last year. Uh, I believe the the snap count in the games where both were healthy was uh, was what three was it, 369 to 230. 
So it wasn't quite two to one, but it, I mean, it's not insignificant of a snap split, but it's not like he's going to double his workload that Philip Lindsay has gone now. I like him, but to me, this goes back to the upside argument and I couldn't really put him any higher. We have seen guys in front of him in recent years, like, you know, Chris Carson be more productive than him. Kind of want to see what this offense looks like. So he, to me, is one of those guys where if he ends up being my RB2, I'll be really happy with it. I'll feel really solid about it. You know, nobody's going to be high-fiving you or say, oh, man, that's the pick of the draft. But I feel really good about it. I just don't think he has the same upside as the guy that I really liked a few years ago where he was a borderline top five running back. I love where you have him. It's just another big name guy that I think the listeners would be like, well, I thought they needed like some clarification on, hey, don't overdraft another big name. One other crazy question, not crazy question, but crazy situation. The Houston running back situation is quickly becoming jumping in there with Saquon Barkley. I'm just going to my I'm not going to touch list. This is setting up to be like David Johnson. I still like as a receiver, but they never used him there. They've added a bunch of other guys. Like Just quickly touch on this because there's some big names in that backfield but none of them really make any sense to how they were used in the past. Now some of them are new. Give me some thoughts on the Houston running back situation. It's a mess. Um, I I have David Johnson at RB 29, which sucks because I actually want, I thought he was going to be a guy that finished just inside my top 25. Um, I I just, you know, Mark Ingram's there. Philip Lindsay's there. Like you start to wonder who's going to be the quarterback like what, I mean, there's just so many things that are just up in the air about Houston right now. I really like the way David Johnson finished last season. I think he was extremely underrated in the way he played late in the season. It was a running back, which, which yes. was crazy to me. Like I can see Ingram taking some goal line touches. Philip Lindsay's the same as David Johnson, but a smaller version. Yes. And that's the concern. Like last year, like this is why I said, actually, when I did my way too early mock way back when, when I took him in the end of the fifth round, and this is again, this was prior to Ingram. This was prior to Philip Lindsay. And this was prior to the legal issues that Deshaun Watson is dealing with right now. But last year, you might be surprised that he averaged more points per game last year than DeAndre Swift, than Antonio Gibson, than Zeke, than Miles Sanders. Like he actually put together a really solid fantasy season that nobody talked about. And now it's like he was going to be a guy that I was going to have those those four stars that you talked about earlier, Jake, next to of nobody's going to want to draft him. Nobody's going to like him. But now this whole situation in Houston has taken a dramatic turn for the worse for David Johnston. I could still see him finishing higher than where I have him at RB29. I could see him being a weekly flex play for you, but I don't think Man, if he would have finished last year as the receiver that we all wanted him to be, he was between the tackles. They gave it to him and he's still really good. The the talent is undeniable. He stayed healthier for the most part, but he didn't get the catches. And we're talking about PPR. Like he's another guy I'd love to put those asterisks next to. Like if he just keeps dropping, I'll grab him and maybe he's a flex and you could be really happy. But it also feels like you could just, it could totally blow up in your face. Like it's quickly becoming, I don't want any part of anybody in that backfield because it just seems like it's going to get so convoluted. But he's still that guy, that one season. He's so talented out of the backfield. If I'd have seen any of that last year, I'd probably at least have a couple of them over there, like watch and see, put him in that category. But I don't know. I had to get your thoughts on it because there's some big names there of guys that people want to draft for that position. It just seems like they're all going to be stealing touches from each other. Yeah. That is going to do it for us here on the one more, Chris. Okay. never mind. That's not going to go ahead. Not. No. Well, I feel like we should talk about the glut of three second year running backs. 
that are 13, 14, and 15 for me because they're going to be big popular names. And that's Cam Akers at 13, J.K. Dobbins at 14, and Clyde Edwards-Elair at 15. And I think this is where I'd feel really comfortable with them. I really, really like Cam Akers' production late in the year. In fact, they're going to lean on him. They've got an upgraded quarterback, and they're going to basically run the offense through him because when they've gotten that opportunity late in the year and in the postseason, that's what they did. Uh, he is somebody that has top five or six running back upside if everything breaks right. Uh, I have him here at 13. I know Jake ended up sneaking him into the first round in our way too early mock that we did last week. Jake Dobbins, same thing. I mean, that touchdown streak to end the year was phenomenal. I still think they're going to give Gus Edwards more work than people want to give credit for. And that's why he's not an RB one for me. He's not what's not, that's why he's not in my top 12 because Edwards is going to be a factor in this offense, but Dobbins is obviously the, is incredibly dynamic has a nose for the end zone and Baltimore's offense isn't going to change. We know what they're going to get from them. We know they're going to lead the league in rushing again, and he's going to get a ton of work. 15 is Clyde Edwards, Alaire, And I think I'm really curious to see where his ADP lands because we warned you all off season last year, he was being overdrafted, being overdrafted, being overdrafted. And that very much proved to be the case, but his actually his, his season wasn't terrible. And I think people, this is where it comes case where people set expectations unreasonably high and then when they just have players just have a good season instead of a phenomenal season people then give up on him I don't know if that's going to end up being the case because of his name value and because he's on the Chiefs but he was somebody that like from weeks four to 15 because there was some very interesting stretches there where he had an unbelievable debut then he had some great pass catching moments in weeks two and three there was kind of just the low end RB two the rest of the way from weeks four to 15 ranked as the RB 24 then ended up missing the final couple of games of the season due to injury. But you got RB two production from him for most of the season with plenty of meat left on the table, or excuse me, plenty of meat left on the bone for him this year to take a step forward. You know, it's really going to be him and Daryl Williams as, as the top options there. Damian Williams, not coming back. They end up cutting him after his opt out year. He's somebody that I think, could end up being a value depending on where he goes. I'm very curious to see what his early ADP looks like, but he's somebody that I, I really like as a high end RB two. could get some more work this year. I want to kind of see how he is integrated in this offense for their second year, getting a full off season. Uh, there's not going to really be any significant timeshare. That's going to be, that's going to be prevalent for him right now. They don't have that third pass catching option on the team. That's obvious. We'll see if that happens once we come out of April's draft, but will he get to play a little bit bigger role in that front? Like we thought he was going to coming out of LSU. He's somebody that again, I think will be more appropriately drafted this year, but if you were quote unquote burned by him last year, don't be off the Clyde Edwards Alaire train this year. Can I, can I say it now, Jamie? Am I allowed to, am I allowed to, to say? Yes. Okay, so we're done here. We're out of here. That's going to do it for us here on the Monday edition of the show. We're back on Wednesday with the wide receiver rankings from Jamie, finishing up our, uh, our, our Jamie's way too early rankings and our discussion on them. And then next week, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a tease here. Something fun coming for you next week here on the show. Something a little what, is different. Is this not fun, Chris? It's not fun for you? Do we not amuse you, Chris? Jake, where can everybody follow you on Twitter? I so wanted to come with the next line right there, but I didn't want Chris to have to do extra work and mute me. Uh, Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. I don't know why I'm going to do this, but Jamie, go ahead. Tell everybody where they can follow you on social media. Uh, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And what's the teaser, Chris? You know, no, leave everybody not, hanging. No, I'm not teasing it now. That's what it did. It's your fault. They can blame you and they can go to your social medias and blame you for the fact that you didn't get a full teaser, okay? You can see all of the work, uh, Jamie's rankings over at thedraftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab. We are back on Wednesday, wide receiver rankings, and maybe, just maybe, I'll tease what we're doing next week. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.